have been formed and identified by my Emerald Isle ancestry. Yeats wrote that the Irish have an abiding sense of tragedy that sustains them through temporary periods of joy. I think that the mix is a little more balanced. During troubled times, they are sure that it will all work out in the end. When the sun is shining, the Irish keep their fingers crossed. Too good to be true, they remind each other. Something's bound to give. Kate, wasn't it a damn shame about her? The prettiest thing who ever walked in shoe leather, and she chose that one. And to think that she might have had Dan O'Neill. He put himself through law school at night and became a judge. He never married. For him, it was always Kate. Anna Curley. She died in the flu epidemic of 1917, a week before she and Jimmy were to be married. Remember how the poor fellow had saved every nickel and had had the apartment furnished and ready for her. She was buried in her wedding dress. And the day of the funeral, Jimmy swore he'd never draw another sober breath. And <laughs> wasn't he a man of his word? The faces begin to fade and I awaken. It is the present, but the memories are still vivid. All of them, from the beginning. May I share them with you? My first conscious memory is of being three years old and looking down at my new baby brother with a mixture of curiosity and distress. His crib had not been delivered on time, and he was sleeping in my doll carriage, thereby displacing my favorite doll, who was ready for her nap. Luke and Nora, my mother and father, had kept company for seven years, a typical Irish courtship. He was 42 and she pushing 40 when they finally tied the knot. They had Joseph within the year, me, Mary, 19 months later, and Mother celebrated her 45th birthday by giving birth to Johnny. The story is that when the doctor went into her room, saw the newborn in her arms, and the rosary entwined in her fingers, he observed, I assume this one is Jesus. Since we weren't Hispanic, in which culture Jesus is a common name, John, the first cousin of the Holy Family, was the closest Mother could get. Later, when we all were in St. Francis Asia School and instructed to write J.M.J., which stood for Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, on the top of our test papers, I thought it was a tribute to Joe and me and Johnny. The year 1931, when Johnny made his appearance, was a good one in our modest world. My father's Irish pub was flourishing. In anticipation of the new arrival, my parents had purchased a home in the Pelham Parkway section of the Bronx, at that time, more rural than suburban, it was only two streets away from Angelina's farm. Angelina, a wizened elderly lady, would show up every afternoon on the street outside our house, pushing a cart 
with fresh fruit and vegetables. God bless her, your mama, your papa. Tell her them I got lots of nicer stringer beans today, she would say. Our house, 1913 Tenbrook Avenue, was a semi-detached, six-room, brick-and-stucco structure with a second-half bath and a particularly chilly section of the basement. My mother's joy in having her own home was only slightly lessened by the fact that she and my father had paid 10005 for it, while Annie and Charlie Potters, who bought the other side, had only paid $10,000 for the identical space. It's because your father has his own business and we were driving an expensive new car, she lamented. But the expensive new car, a Nash, had sprung an oil leak as they drove it out of the showroom. It was the beginning of our luck going sour, she would later reminisce. The depression had set in with grim reality. I remember as a small child regularly watching Mother answering the door to find a man standing there, his clothes clean but frayed, his manner courteous. He was looking for work, any kind of work. Did anything need repairing or painting? And if not, could we possibly help him out with a cup of coffee and maybe something to eat? Mother never turned away anyone. She left a card table in the foyer and would willingly fix a meal for the unexpected guest. Juice, coffee, a soft-boiled egg and toast in the morning, sandwiches and tea for lunch. I don't remember anyone ringing the bell after mid-afternoon. By then, God helped them. They were probably on their way home if they had a home to go to with the disheartening news that there was no work to be had. I loved our house and our neighborhood. Mine was the little room, its window over the front door. I would wake in the morning to the clip-clop of the horses pulling the milk and bread wagons, Borden's milk, Dugan's bread and cake, sights that have passed into oblivion as surely as the patient horses and creaking wagons that teased me awake and comforted me with their familiarity all those years ago. A box was in permanent residence on the front steps of our house to hold the milk bottles. In the winter, I would gauge the temperature by checking to see if the cream at the top of the bottles had frozen, forcing the cardboard lids to rise. During the summer, in mid-afternoon, we'd all be alert for the sound of jingling bells that meant that Eddie, the good humor man, was wheeling his heavy bicycle around the corner. Looking back, I realized he couldn't have been more than in his early thirties. With a genuine smile and the patience of Job, he waited while the kids gathered around him, agonizing over their choice of flavor. All of us had the same routine. A nickel on weekdays for a Dixie cup, a dime on Sunday for a good humor on a stick. That was the hardest day for making up my mind. I loved burnt almond over vanilla ice cream. On the other hand, I also loved chocolate over chocolate. 
Once the choice had been made, the trick for Joe and John and me was to see who could make the ice cream last the longest so that the other guys' tongues would be hanging out as they watched the winner enjoy those final licks. The problem was that on hot Sundays the ice cream melted faster, and it wasn't unusual for the one who had made it last the longest to see half the good humor slide off the stick and land on the ground. Then the howls of anguish from the afflicted delighted the other two, who now had the satisfaction of chanting, Ha, 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 thought you were...